Welcome to Water Culture, um, which I think I will actually take the opportunity to say is primarily a uh, get-together and rambling discussion of a particular game for our benefit. So if you're listening in, hello, you're very welcome to, but uh, this is actually us going over a game to kind of decide why we stick with it or haven't played it again or um, encourage us to give it another go or whatever. Uh, we've got Roger, Mark, Tina and Nick Hello. and myself. Um, that was one of the other people. And tonight we are trying to wrestle with the thorny issue of Cock. Call of Cthulhu. 1981, published by KSEM, written by Sandy Peterson and Friends. I think Lynn Willis was probably the most important of the writers. Uh, it was very popular pretty much from the off, and it became very influential in the UK because Games Workshop did uh, their own sort of reprint edition, supported it in White Dwarf, and we got loads of really good adventures and things in there. So, um, starting off, because I know he, he's the most eager to... Uh, to spurt out of the gate, uh, Nick. Hello. Where? How were you exposed? I first of all, I'd like to claim to fame. I have met Sandy Peterson. I've touched his knee. There we go. He's not a tall man, is he? Or no. Is he? Well, no. I just we I was sat next to each other, and I. Uh, well, oh, I see. It was a knee mutual knee touching, like knee, n- n- nutsy. What do you call it, nutsy? No. No, <laughs> no, no, maybe no, not. no, no, now no. I think about it. No. So you touched, you touched his knee with your knee? Yes. You didn't put yes. your hand on his knee? Uh, I wanted to, but no, I didn't. Was no. he wearing lederhosen? And that's not a random thing, he's apparently known for it. He was wearing lederhosen. Wow. And <clears> for <throat> you? <laughs> Sadly <laughs> not. <laughs> Sadly not, I was wearing jeans, but can't oh. have everything. Anyway. Okay. So that's an exposure for you for a start. I, uh, I, Cthulhu was the first game, like I suppose many people, Call of Cthulhu was the first game that I played that wasn't fantasy, I think. And it was very early in our game. I, I had the lovely, which I have here, the you wonderful. Know, you know, the, uh, the monsters aren't real. The game of, uh, the games workshop edition of Call of Cthulhu. That's that the, we were f- the third edition with. hardback, isn't yes, it? Yes. It's lo- and the colour plates in it adorned my walls mm. as a teenager. I- um, I do wish I'd kept mine, actually. Well, I actually it. bought a second, because I, t- I cut the colour plates out of this one, I bought a second one, which I have on my shelf over there, so I could get the colour plates back, because they're amazing. I love them. They are, they are good, yes. And, uh, yeah. I, um, I think I was always the, the keeper, um, with Cthulhu, but it just immediately just connected with me, for many reasons we'll talk about, but it, that's. So, uh, when was this? I mean, the Games Workshop version, I think, when did that come out? 84? Something I like that. Because I, I... They, they did a box set reprint of the second edition, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, we were all aware of it. People talked about Cthulhu, and it was like, a, a ga- you know, a game that uh, people who'd kind of grown up from Dungeons and Dragons, I guess, played, and I was intrigued by... I think I saw a lot in, of the... In comes the hate plan. mail. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, that was what we thought at the time, um, and we right. were right. Um, so <laughs> um, it, it, it definitely it, had the impression for me at the time that it was what the cool kids were playing. Yeah, I, and, and I think so. That, when when was that for you, Roger? Uh, about the same time, I, I was um, gaming in the early eighties. 
It would have been mid eighties for me. Yeah, I, I I would have seen a lot of the supplements on the shelves probably in well, it would be Games Workshop because that's where we used to go for all that stuff. So, I eventually bought the hardback, or maybe got it for Christmas. Um, But yeah, that was my exposure. Read it and uh, loved it, and ran it, and it went very well. Roger, was this just one in a line of of games, or is this something that? you know, you you ran first, or you you'd just been playing other games. What, uh, uh, what I, I actually didn't, on it? didn't run. Or, I, I think I may have played it once or twice at convention. But I didn't run it until a long time later. In fact, in fact, I have only run Call of Cthulhu once, and you were there, right? Um, it it just hardly need to have had you on board tonight. Then <laughs> we'll fill in the details. <laughs> uh, I'm, I've, I've done a lot of Lovecraftian stuff with other rule systems, but uh, for some you reason, the, the game the game itself uh, kind kind of missed me. Hmm. So Tina, you were uh, you were chatting about it earlier. You were actually a, a LARPer initially. Yes. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and then get onto uh, onto There's role no playing judging. games. No so when, I'm not. I don't judge her. I wouldn't dare. <laughs> 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 so um, yeah, now you're locked down in the basement. Uh, so <laughs> when when and why Cthulhu for you? Um, gosh. Um, so I, yes, I was a LARPer and therefore I hung out with other people who LARPed. They also gamed. Um, and they did this thing called tabletop role playing. And I got invited along. Oh, weirdos. Yeah, really odd. Um, so Cthulhu was probably, oh, about the third or fourth system I played. Games D&D first, was it? No, it was not. It was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles first. Oh. oh. Followed, followed choice. by RuneQuest. Oh. And then D&D, I think. Oh, no, there was something else. Oh, Traveller. Traveller. Oh. A game of Traveller. So you had played RuneQuest, so actually uh, Cthulhu would have looked pretty pretty familiar to you then. Yeah. Um, and it, it was it was the fact that it was not so much a fantasy game. I think, that kind of made right. it stand out. And I'm rubbish at knowing, at remembering even the games, but um, um, what they're called, you know, Last in My Laugh and, and stuff like that. I can't remember what happened in on a TV programme two weeks ago. So this is asking me to remember something that I played like 30-odd years ago is, is a bit... Yeah, but I'm cool. Thanks but, for coming. Well, yeah, yeah, if you came <laughs> I do. I do remember we played a long campaign and we ended up in Egypt at one point. So you know, narrows um, it down a bit. Yeah, I know. Um, and and you know, there was a sphinx and, and it was all scary and death ensued and things. You Sounds know. like masks to me. Yeah, it was. It does does that. a bit. Um, and when we used to play, we used to play every weekend. Hmm. For like so Mark, 12, 14 hours. Blimey, yeah. Oh, I remember yeah, when the game we the days. Days. Meant you could stay awake for the whole weekend. Yeah. Is, your, is your character going mad or are you? Yeah, exactly. uh, similar story for you, is it Mark, or have you got a, a novel introduction? No, to no. Um, so, um, again, I play... So, so I can't remember which version I had, so I, I, I will throw this open to the, to the group. Um, my first version of Call of Cthulhu, and it was me who bought it and then ran the first couple of games and my my um, friends who uh, at home at the time turned around and said, eh, it's alright, but uh, was the one with the um, airship plans in it. 
Okay, so first or second s- edition. Second Although year. actually, they're in the back of the third edition, aren't they? They are they're in the book. No, no. Yeah. It was, this, Did it come with a separate map and it, it was in a box? It was a separate map in a box. Right. That's I mean, the odds are it'd be the second edition if you're buying it in the UK because it was much easier yeah. to get. The first edition yeah. was pretty expensive, I think, because uh, it came with dice, as I recall. So that means it would have had VAT on it. I think we used R D and D dice, but then I had the, the. I seem to remember it having dice in it, but I, I, I'll hold my hands up. Um, it was a long, long, long time ago, and I have drunk much beer yeah, since that, then. Yeah, that that airship uh, Hindenburg. Uh, yes, indeed. Yes, but not not but not bound into a hardback. Not bound into a hardback. No, it was right. it, it was definitely uh, kind of a bluey grey uh, thing. I, I actually found it the other the other day, and it was really annoying because I actually. I wanted it for something else, and I've lost it again. So, um, yeah, oh. rather annoying, but never mind. Okay. Well, so anyway, but, um, the, uh... but yes, anyway. So I bought that. Um, we'd played um, RuneQuest and enjoyed that, and this was our first attempt at modern or close enough to modern to actually think. sort of so, post post gunpowder in the west kind of thing yeah so, by modern or? uh yes yeah, so um so <laughs> we medieval we 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 played so we 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 played um D and D. We played A D and D. We played RuneQuest. We played a very small amount of Bushido, which confused the hell out of everybody. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, we played some Traveller, which we enjoyed, apart from mm-hmm. um, the actual lack of rules. Um, but um, uh, but well, no, they, they, you, this was back at the time where. You kind of wanted a rule for everything, and suddenly you were having to actually think, and you were having to kind of. And it, it, so, I didn't actually run Traveller, but the, the thing, but but this, but this was the one of the ones that I sort of bought, had a go, and we, and, and we played a couple of times, and it was, it's okay, but we played. Um, one of the guys had actually, in fact, several of us actually had the deities and demigods, with. Um, the um, uh, sort of you know all the various the stats um, for the Lovecraftian gods yeah the, yeah the stats for the Lovecraftian gods so the first edition which had uh, Lovecraft stuff and, and um, um, Elric of Melnimony mm-hmm. Elric of Melnimony and even better that it had the Hindu gods which is always um, that little bit more special <laughs> <laughs> and then they wondered why people got upset uh, yeah <laughs> didn't have well, Yahweh yeah. in it did it that would have been a good I mean I, I was uh, I was a bit upset Hindu Love Gods did only do the one album but you know <laughs> um, so one thing you've you've all said you've you've met this game you've played other games before nobody said well I was a Lovecraft fan mm. so had, had, had you actually, any of you actually heard of him before really read his no. stuff no I, I hadn't I read a couple of his books based on buying Call of Cthulhu. Ah, that's the thing. But prior to your exposure to this game, did you have the faintest idea? No no. no one talked about it in my circle. No one talked about it as a Lovecraftian, because Lovecraftian wasn't the thing. Anyone knew what that was at the time. It was a horror game, and it was just a bit different. And so you would have thought it was just like a Hammer horror film from the way people talked about it. Yeah, well, we weren't exactly awash with horror games. I mean, by mid-80s, you'd had... um, Stalking the Night, Fantastic, uh, Chill. Uh, there were a few pretty minor ones. Was the GURPS horror by then? Um, For second, 87, I think. Yeah, was, second, yeah. Okay. yeah. 
uh, to round then, because I can remember, I was at uni, so it was 87, 88. Yeah, something like that, anyway. It, wasn't, yeah. it was one of the, the earlier ones, it was staple bound, the, the first edition was, was it Scott Herring or David Lady? I'm sidetracking myself. Anyway, but you hadn't <laughs> got many, but and then the you got, this, the this came out, was and instead of it coming out and it being, right, fight werewolves mm. and vampires and so on, it's this, let's be honest, at the time, pretty obscure yeah. author writing weird tales, weird fantasy horror, which isn't at all traditional. I mean, a lot of his stories, it's all about the feeling of the thing. Mm. Bit of an odd choice. Sandy Peterson, who wrote it, apparently had his dad's, I think, serviceman's copy of a of a book that contained Pickman's model. And that's he read it when he was younger, and that's where... So he Pickman's model is, is the first Lovecraftian story, the Lovecraft story that I read after Call of Cthulhu. Right. I, I had it in, and I rewrote, I had to, uh, I was doing an English essay where it was rewrite a, um, a story and I rewrote Pickman's model and got an A for it. So, Isn't that plagiarism? Well, no, we not, had not, to rewrite it. No, I didn't publish it. <laughs> um, uh, did did no, anybody else have... There, there were three thick paperback anthologies in the late 80s. Yeah, wait, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. covers. Nick's going to go get them. Yeah, I would my, go get mine, mine, mine but I think, as well. I think mine yeah, are upstairs. I, so. I finally right, donated mine to charity. All of those, yeah. Yeah, I think I think we These, all had those, the, and just the cover images. Oh my mm-hmm. god, I just love yeah. them. Yeah, I think yeah. they. Yeah. I think they're all Tim Wise, aren't they? I think I no, got I through the first, the first one, the first and, one and, and a half, and that was it. And then I stopped. Actually, yeah. the first one I I do remember now. The Horn for the Dark was the first one, and it's actually the best yeah. one because it's got it's got all the best. It, it, the first story I'm just looking now, so I can see what I was there. Pigman's model is the first one. Uh, it's got the whisper in the rats darkness. In, was it rats the, in the wall? One rats in the walls. I'd skip that because it was too long. Oh, <laughs> um, I really the first that one, one I read. Wow. It's got the call of Cthulhu. It's got the whisper in the dark. It's yeah. got all the classic, the the, the twelve Skipping classic Lovecraft. ones. The thing on the doorstep. I had a big, stuff for being, I had a big thing long. for the thing on the doorstep when I was a kid. So, <laughs> did you? <laughs> it's a bit okay. weird that one. But no, I'd not. I'd not read any of his books, those stories, no, or heard about. Really, him I think the until I played. the effect. The effect this had, I think, on on the interest in Lovecraft is very hard to overstate. Mm. I, I don't think Lovecraftian would be a thing without Call of Cthulhu. So yeah. we wouldn't have Chibi Thulus and no. plushies and so on. <laughs> no. Oh, true story. One of the things that uh, me and Tina, you know, we got together, and you're thinking, is this right? Are we okay? And we discovered that we've both got the Steve Jackson games, cuddly Cthulhus, but in different colours. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they were. Green. Yeah, they were back in the days when I, I'd never seen a cuddly Cthulhu before. They were the very early ones. I, I would and say I, at that, sorry, at that time, the, the, the Lovecraft, sorry, John, I completely stampeded. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm planning to yeah, do it you to did. you again, so. Yeah. Um, I, at that time, Lovecraft was kind of the, um, oh, what's the, um, what's the comic who died of pancreatic cancer? Um, Bill Hicks. He was kind of the Bill Hicks of horror writers in that he was the horror writer's horror writer, but no one else really knew about him. I have never heard him described <laughs> as the Bill Hicks of horror writing. No, I mean, I have a fair That needs, that needs fair, to go on a cover, doesn't it, really? That's, that's, that's pretty good. I like that, because it, you, you're right. The, the number of uh, other horror writers who turned around and said, right, okay, if you want to read, you know, where I got my inspiration from, he's one of them. Or, you know, Particularly Stephen King was a huge yes. evangelist. Yeah, 
Yeah, he was massive. Mm. I mean, so he might have become more popular over time because well, of I think he would like have him. been more popular, and they were doing films and, and bits and pieces. But I just you, you've got a really sort of impressionable audience getting deep into this mm. stuff because of the game. And then they go on and they do other things. Mm. Primarily, start podcasts. But they do other <laughs> things as well. Now, from there, I have to come to the next bit, which is, you've got this game, and it does horror, but it's not normal sort of horror. And it's full of loads of monsters, and it's got stats for the monsters, despite the fact that there's really no reason from in a Lovecraft story to have stats. A lot of D&D players are looking at this going, brilliant, I've never heard of these, it's like a whole new monster manual, let's get out there and kill them. Mm-hmm. But is this actually anything like a Lovecraft story? Well, it can be. Have you ever played, it depends have you ever played an adventure and really felt that? Have we ever what, sorry? Have you ever actually played in a Call of Cthulhu game, this specific system... And come away thinking that it was really like being in a Lovecraft story, or was it just a very effective horror game? No, with you know elements you'd not heard of before. It's more. Um, oh God, who's the English author who um, did did quite a few? Shaft. Uh, M. R. James, you thinking, or or it might not be English actually saying that. When roughly. Um, who's the one who did a lot of the stuff with the Dreamlands and stuff? Oh, you think it had done Saini? Possibly. I know that there was somebody, there was somebody, and I must have been, I'll hold my hands up, I thought it was an English author, but I'll, I'll hold my hands up, I'm completely wrong. But I know that there was a lot of people who were turning around and saying, but it's a bit like, it's a bit like, um, Macken, after Conan, Algernon Blackwood, um, uh, Doyle. And uh, bits and pieces, but but no, somebody kind of kind of did a lot of the Dreamland bits and pieces, and then they kind of and and it became far more of a rip roaring adventure uh, with the uh, you know the heroes rescuing the girl and killing the uh, multi 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 uh, identical. Well, I don't know about thing. the Dreamland Doesn't... stuff, but Derleth did a lot more of the white hats versus black hats stuff. Yeah, yeah that's very much him. I mean, he fundamentally. Rewrote the kind of basic premise of some of the mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, and I think at least my, my take on uh, the stuff that I ran and also then played when I was at uni um, was far more. You've got a good chance of dying, and quite often did, mm-hmm. but generally, you know. The bad guys lost, and the good guys got the girl. Or okay, or, or, or I the, mean, in, in a lot the, of Lovecraft's the actual the stories, that, there are no winners, really, are there? Yeah. No. Well, all all you're doing, and 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 all you're doing is not even stopping the bad guy. You're just putting off when yeah, the bad just, guy's event is, is 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 going to get in anyway. Yeah. Well, I, I think yeah, you're just delaying the inevitable, in fact, aren't you? Yeah. I, I think well, that's, that's why I think that it came in from, from the game more than the stories. Uh, and I, I think Ken Height brings this, brings this to a fairly specific point. But the the idea that you you are you know throwing your lives and sanity against this unstoppable force because you can slow it down a bit, and you know that the best you can achieve is, is going to be to slow it down a bit, but you do it anyway, is yeah. an interesting story think... in itself. But I don't think it's very Lovecraftian. But it's tremendously heroic. I think because I don't think generally D and D actually pushes you to be particularly heroic. No. 
Um, brave. You know, you're playing a brave adventurer going off trying to brave, brave find Robin, some sneaky right? way yeah. to, you know, drop yeah, a mountain. The, the, the adventure but that this... starts with the villagers being attacked, please help us by killing these goblins. Fundamentally comes down to bubble, 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 kill these goblins. Yeah. yeah. But this, probably nobody's going to know about it. If they know about it, they're not going to believe you. Even if they believe you, they're probably not going to be actually help. And if they do help, they're not actually going to be of any help, really. <laughs> so it's all down to you, and your reward is basically nothing. If you get away, you're then stuck with knowing that the world is not the place you thought it was. So, you know, everything's awful. But you can do something that can save everybody just for another day. You know, you, yeah. you can do the whole Bowie song at the end, if you like. And it's incredibly heroic, but is also criticised by a lot of people who like the the sort of D and D style as really nihilistic and awful. So, does it have to be that way though? Really, it depends on how big the threat is. I think. Yeah. If what you've got is this cult has got hold of something and they're going to do something bad with it, and you take it away from them, well, Mm -hmm. they, they may not be able to get hold of another something. Yeah. For example, and that that can be a, a straight victory. It, it's when the stakes get bigger that you think, okay, well, we can't actually win here, but we can do some good. But even aside from that, the whole thing with the um, the kind of uh, yogsothothery is that you might be facing up against cultists or whatever, and you can defeat them. But if they actually succeed in letting through these entities from outside our understanding of space and time, those are forces that you cannot possibly stand against, mm-hmm. or even understand in any real degree, that it will break your mind to, to just know this, and it means that everything you think you know is basically false. It's just thin ice, and you've never looked down to what's swimming around underneath you. And that is really hard to convey in an ongoing game, isn't it? I mean, one of the reasons I think this game works brilliantly in convention one-shots for folks is because if you try to do an ongoing series of adventures or campaigns, sooner or later you're expecting the player characters to just think, what are we actually doing this for? Surely somebody else can do this. I'm exhausted. Well, Even without that, I don't think you can really sustain horror in an extended campaign without some very specific adaptations. I mean, your classic horror story tends to be a bunch of people who don't know any better get into a situation and some of them survive it. Yes, the ones who've not had sex. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But those people aren't going to then get into that situation again. You have watched Scooby-Doo, haven't you? Or if they they do, they they aren't, or at least if there's any sort of narrative continuity, rather than a bunch of episodes made in a random order, but they they aren't the same people. They they aren't the naive. Yeah. We can't believe this is going to happen. People. They they are. Yeah, the, the, it gradually it turns into monster hunting, and monster yeah, hunting, yes, is, fun. Because, monster hunting is fun as a game, yeah. but it's not horror. It can be though. I mean, I've played in several long running campaigns. Admittedly, they run by two different GMs and they both adapted uh, stories and scenarios from a whole variety of sources and brought them into the kind of Call of Cthulhu environment and used the mythos to to bring the horror element etc into the mm-hmm. into the games and they both 
they, they both managed at various points. And when I'm saying long running, I'm meaning, you know, over several years. They both at various points in that time period went from complete, right, we've got them, you know, we're going to win this, we can stop them, to, oh, hell, we're all doomed, to what the hell have we done this time sort of thing. And have we screwed everything up by what we've chosen to do? Um and some of the characters continued all the way through, mm-hmm. getting slightly madder and madder. And others, well, we had one game where the guy went off to find some information out and he just never came back. That was it. <laughs> well, can't, he just can't blame him, really. He just, well, you know, the character just never reappeared. And, and you know, everyone was like, well, what, what do we do? We don't know, actually know where he was going. We know roughly where he was going, but we, we can't, you know... Things are moving too fast and you just kind of have to, yeah. So I think the horror element can be there, but in different ways as well. Mm. There's certainly a lot of moral questions about what your characters are going to do when you get further into a longer running campaign. Yeah, well this does turn into kind of shotguns and petrol bombs and all that kind of stuff. There's a, you start to get all those cliches about Cthulhu, uh, characters in campaigns. You start off basically, there's a whiff of a monster and so you try to beat it and discover that you can't. Uh, Then you come across a whiff of a monster and you turn and run because you know you can't beat it. And then after that, you get the slightest hint that anyone (laughs) might know anything at all about a monster or a cult and you burn down their library first (laughs) and then basically take a pocket full of shells and shoot everybody. You don't burn down the library. You steal all the best books first. And that's how it perpetuates. Yes, you mentioned the next monsters. generation of investigators are burning down your life. Well, yeah, yeah, because no, the next generation of investigators have therefore got a basis to start working from. Why should they believe it? Mm. Well, what about exactly. the monsters, though? Well, Let's call them investigators. They're cultists, really. Yeah, but this is the thing, <laughs> isn't basically it? Basically cultists. Do you get to the point where you are actually the cultists? Despite you start casting spells efforts. in this game, <sighs> yes, but you're an NPC, so, whether you know it yeah, or not. Yeah. So, so I must admit, I think in both both the games, more in one than the other, um, one of the newer characters who came in after one had gone missing was actually um, his main task was to stop my character reading any more books. <laughs> Funnily enough, it, it's been like that with me during lockdown. I've been trying to stop you, and there, there is just nothing, <laughs> nothing I could do. Seventy books and counting. <laughs> it's been a long week, hasn't it? Um, right, monsters. D and D. You've got basically loads and loads of variations on a few themes. So you've got you know giant monsters that are just giant versions of existing things or a slight twist on something or something out of typical fantasy or legend and then they all get sort of sliced up into various different versions and then they come up with new variations on that so you're bored of dragons so let's make it um, a puce dragon or something you know and you keep adding loads and loads because if people have played it enough they know all the monsters so they know exactly what they've got to do this game was initially, I think, seen as a lot of people as something totally fresh from that perspective, in that you're not rampaging around with a sword trying to kill dragons. You're in kind of the modern world. It's the 20s. You know, the time of Lovecraft, although, frankly, 
Uh, firstly, I think Sandy Peterson actually wanted to make it modern, as in when it was written. Yeah, mm. on, on the um, basis that which, that was what HP was doing. Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, and it's not like most of the people playing it, it turned out, would have known who Lovecraft was anyway, or that he was writing primarily in the 20s and early 30s. So the monsters in this, you could look at as being just an, a, another fresh variation on D&D. But they're so different in how they act, for quite a few of them, it's bound to, to give at the very least a different flavour, and maybe a different approach. And also, you're not really just kill them, get the treasure, earn XP. So what what do you think about monsters in Cthulhu? Should they even have stats, for instance? Well, there is one, uh, there is one Cthulhu game where they okay, don't. There's what sort uh, of the, the Cthulhu Dark combat system is you lose. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that isn't Call of Cthulhu, no. is it? Mm. No, no that's ahead. a very... You know, because other Cthulhu games are sort of a different question. Yeah. Uh, Mark, had you got any? Yeah, so, so, um, I, I, I kind of think you've, in essence, you've got two different levels, haven't you? You've got the, you've got the monsters who are, well, you've got the cultists who, at the end of the day, they're human. They might have a few extra abilities over and above, but in essence, they're human. They're yeah, you... humans of an opposing alignment, if you like. Uh, aren't then, they, really. Then you've kind of got the lesser races, though they're still far, far, far more powerful than humans. Uh, the Mego and, um, and deep, deep Ones and so on, bits and pieces like that. Um, where in a one-on-one fight, you're going to lose, but if you could mob them... Or get a critical with a shotgun. Or get a critical <laughs> with a shotgun. Um, or, 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 you, or, you, or you all load, uh, put enough barrels of shotguns into them. Um, you, you've got a fighting chance that something is going, you know, you're going to do enough damage to them to at least make them run away. Um, then you've kind of got the level above them, um, where they're still not that powerful and you could possibly bring in an airstrike if you are, depending on what you're playing. Um, <laughs> Uh, you say airstrike. I will remind you that this is this is the 20s. Airstrikes were still not really. You're not sort of using accurate rockets and things on mass, are you? No. But we really need to set up artillery. I think. Yeah. Or, 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 ships or artil- and artillery works yeah. if you can get them. Yeah, artillery or whatever. But you. But again, and then you start getting into the um, realms of uh, Cthulhu. And some of yeah. the other, and some of the other ones who basically, um, I mean Cthulhu, you ram him with the ship. We he, tried. He it reforms afterwards. Yeah, it doesn't work. So we tried. You, yeah. you, you've clearly inconvenienced him, and then above that, you've got things that you wouldn't even know where to begin, how to hurt. Them. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. You're on the level of gods. Hmm. Yeah. Although, as everybody knows, gods in D and D have 400 hit points, so you know, <laughs> anything can be taken out. Yeah. But what, what did any of those monsters really connect with you in the way that that some people like will always talk about a particular encounter in a game where it was some sort of monster that, that just led to an amazing adventure, or is it the more sort of modern society human element of it that kind of make the, the fact that you, you're juxtaposing really weird stuff against normal life, yeah, which is perhaps more acutely noticed so, in Cthulhu so, so, than in, so, in fantasy. So the one that, that I have a couple of things that kind of um, I think as I think back on it, the, the one that's the, that's the good one is um, we played um, a reasonably long um, 
Cthulhu, um, it was about over about three or four months, uh, worth of, so about so a, a, a bunch of interconnecting things all set around sort of, um, on, on the east coast of, um, uh, you know, Maine and stuff. Um, and one of the characters slowly and he actually with him fully knowing going into the game but the rest of us not uh was t- was in the process of turning into a deep one as you do um <laughs> and so we're all doing this and and things were happening and every so often we were kind of thinking that's not right <laughs> um and it's Jack sl- never used to swallow live herring before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, and slowly, slowly, slowly. Uh, and that works really well. And, and that was the first time I'd come across um, one of the players being in with the GM and kind of not almost being the, you know, the, the patsy in the, you know, uh, right. you know the, the magician yeah. stooge sort of thing. And, and yeah. that, but especially the fact that it wasn't an immediate thing it was this was done over about three or four months and that worked really really well and that was great the one that i also remember and it was great fun but my god was this not call of cthulhu (laughs) was um the group of us who manipulated it as though it was the munchkins version of call of cthulhu shall we say and at one Sounds point, pretty normal so far. Okay, and at one point we started getting summoned. <laughs> right, okay. that's when you've kind of gone a bit too far. Too far, yeah. yes. That is an "Are we the baddies?" Moment. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. um, oh no, we've we, we... got to kill an angel. Uh, yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, uh, speaking just before, just before we came on air. Um, as I was, I was begging for you to please join us. Uh, no, when I was, I finally gave in to your pleas to to let you join nice. tonight. Uh, I'm you were sorry, about thanks, thanks for that, John. There's no, there's no. I'll have you know that I was once a champion of Call of Duty at the um, student nationals. <laughs> Very good. Well, yeah, so well, eminent, well, anyway, you were talking many, about many ghouls. Ago. Oh yeah, yeah. Now we... ghouls are weird. Dog-like humanoid creatures that yeah. eat the dead. All right, so they're. Cl- I mean, quite clearly, you come across something like that, you're going to kill it. Yes, um, yes. So that's what you lot did, isn't it? No. <laughs> kind of to start with, yes. Until um, we we had to do a deal with them. Um, okay. And um, we we ended up. Um, yeah. So so we we kind of came to an agreement with the ghouls um, in the games. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, She's kind of sleeping in with the enemy here. Yeah, 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 like... most definitely it was, yes. And um, right. it, it happened in, in several places because, as you know, they, you know their their habitation is, is throughout. It's not they do have an excellent travel network. Yes, a lot have, of people seem very yes. fond of using that. <laughs> yes, and, and we were most surprised when we discovered that they were in Paris as well as London. That that con- uh-huh. confused us quite a bit, especially as they didn't have French accents. Um, but yes, we uh, we we came to a, a bit of an, an arrangement with with the ghouls, um, and we did have meetings and discussions with them, and we did bargains with them. 
So um, that sort of um, points quite heavily to the fact that this game doesn't have alignments, which no, were quite, really. I mean, let's be honest, alignments well, were people were moaning about them in the seventies, let alone nineteen eighty one when this came out. Um, but they were still perfectly common in D and D, and I think still into this day. So this is much more. We're not going to tell you how you should behave. Yeah. And you you obviously took that to a bit of an extreme. Um, oh, well, we took it further than that. We used to use blackies oh, yeah. as a taxi service. <laughs> right. Because if you can do someone bind by Aki and control... Anyway, yeah, so, you know, and if you're in a on a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean and you need to get somewhere that isn't in the middle of the ocean... Just call for Bayaki. Summon a Bayaki. But but I do think that Just... that allows you a, a bit more sophistication in your plotting as well. Because I mean, hmm. yes, yeah, for, first first uh, level of plotting, you can just say, okay, the ghoul is the enemy. Then you can go along and say, okay, the ghoul is eating dead bodies, and that's not great. But you know, they don't really need them anymore, and the ghoul will be our ally against this much more horrible thing. Yeah, and we could use that to mm-hmm. our advantage. Um, yeah. And, and then you, that... mo- you move on to, well, it's quite a long way to walk, come to think of it. What's that spell again? <laughs> yeah, well, mm, you have to be careful. And it's though. raining. But different, different games have different flavours, you know, and different games let us get away with different things. In, in one, of, yeah. one of the games, um, we had a hunting weekend where one of the people we were trying to save was about to be killed. Um, and they were on a hunting weekend, so we invited ourselves, knowing full well that at midnight this hunting horror or whatever or Bayaki or whatever was going to come and try and kill this guy, so we got everybody who was there for the hunting weekend at the hunting lodge ready with their guns. We won that encounter really well. <laughs> you know, just a bit of that, not encounter, darling, that's an ambush. Exactly. That's the best it sort was, of encounter. brilliant. It was it was the best hunting hunting weekend we'd been on. Everyone was a bit upset when the bodies disappeared. They wanted trophies yes. for the wall, but you know. So it, so it does you've depend. You've got your own up crew as well. Yeah, it does depend on who's running the game as to what you know, we're allowed to get away with and how how pulpy it goes. Yeah, and the, mm. well, but the, you see, you should, I mean, obviously, clearly, you're not supposed to win this because, as everybody knows, if you're playing Call of Cthulhu. Everybody involved, all of the player characters, go mad and die every single game. That, that, if you mention Call of Cthulhu, that's the one thing you'll hear about on forums. Oh, I don't play that. It's miserable. Every character goes mad and, again, and dies. It's down so to going, this, going down mad. To the GM. Down to yeah, the GM. Going mad. This was an interesting innovation. Um, from Tunnels and Trolls, weirdly. <laughs> I've probably mentioned before that Sandy Peters, and he, he's, he said this, if you read Heroic World by Lawrence Schick, there's a little article by Sandy when he said he took the inspiration for the sanity mechanic from an article in Sorcerer's Apprentice, which was published just before this. So Call of Cthulhu is the second um, Lovecraftian role-playing game, but the first sort of actually designed for purpose. So you have this game that not only has hit points but also has basically a sort of a mental hit point. And then huge lists of horrible things that can go wrong with you. Uh, now, Nick, you're a, you're a medical man. Yes. Does, does <laughs> that add anything interesting to the game to you? Or is it just something else that um, is kind of crippling your character? 
does it does it make you play it in a certain way that your character if you want to learn more of these spells if you want to learn more of what you're up against you're actually going to lose your grip on sanity i think thematically it's it's really interesting so it it i mean as, as a medical man no it makes no sense whatsoever <laughs> i mean I, 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 <laughs> well I, how they've implemented it is kind of another question i yeah. i become slight, i don't know i I, I'm in too much because I love the mechanic. I love the, the sanity mechanic. It's fun, you know, it's fun to go insane in Cthulhu. I, and it's even more I you fun know, when in 2020, it's, it, it's, it's becoming more uncomfortable to make a fun thing of mental, <laughs> mental illness, you know. But yeah. I, to me, it's so far removed from actual, Real, yeah. it, the idea that you could read a book, um, and within moments, you know, go insane. Uh, it just, uh, because you, you've, your mind has been open to the actuality yeah, of the universe, the, the, the real horror that somebody could have written in the Dutch language or something like that. I, I mean, um, I, I love it. I, I think it's a really fascinating concept. I, I don't, I mean, thankfully, I, I don't think it's realistic. I don't think that's how people's, I don't, that's not how mental illnesses work and that's not how people's minds I, I, people's minds do snap under pressure, but I, so I don't know. I, I, I would very much like to divorce way, the medical aspect of it from the, yeah. the game point of it. Sorry, it was just a segue. Well, uh, well have, the, you know, have any thought? of you played Unseen Masters? Cause that, that's, no. that's somebody who's actually I've worked, worked with that, real yeah. mental illness and he's tried to portray it realistically. Um, I don't want that. And in is, the game, it, is it fun? I, it's not fun, but it can be very effective. I, I've listened to YSDC right. playing it. I haven't played it myself. And right. Yeah. And that, that that was done very effectively, but I agree, it's a very different sort of thing from the standards. From but it's it's you know, like a, to a, me, it's a, a, a I'm losing this resource, which if I run out of, I'm out of the game. Yeah. And B, I yeah. get the opportunity to do something fun as a result, like shooting my it fellow gives, players. It gives you, yeah, it gives you the opportunity to to take your character in a different direction mm. that is unexpected. As someone who has had quite bad mental illness in the past, um, I don't equate it to what happens in the Call of Cthulhu mechanic at all. Mm. Yeah. Um, they're just two completely different things. Yeah. Um, so, in fact, if it was a more realistic treatment of how somebody may... Um, saying going insane is is insulting in a way, but may actually start to develop symptoms of a mental illness or manifest a mental illness. Um, if it was more realistic, you think it would be less appropriate? Or yeah, I think more so, inappropriate yeah. And more It would be more Definitely. inappropriate, very uncomfortable, and not 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 nice to play. No. So the abs- the abstract, you think, it's worth having this in here, because yes. it's kind of an iconic feature of the game, isn't it, really, this particular system? It, it's sort of like a magic system, or, you know, another role-playing yeah. system. It's, it's, it's that level of, re- it's a bit, equates to real magic in the real world, as, as D&D magic does to it, you know. It, it's, it's not, it's not got a lot to do with it, but it's a fun mechanic to play with. No, I mean, hip- Hit points are an abstraction. They're not, yeah. They've not got a lot to do with breaking your leg mm. or being repeatedly hit around the head with a spiky object. Um, <laughs> particularly for instance. Where, yeah, well, for instance, I mean, let's be honest. If you've got just a plank of wood with a couple of nails in it mm. and you hit someone around the head, firstly, I think you should find another hobby. But <laughs> it's going to cause an awful lot of problems, potentially killing that person with the very first blow. 
Yeah, that's you know, an interesting it, it, aspect. It is, Does that it is mean potential. it's part of your hit points dodging out of the way or because you're experienced? Exactly. Right? Yeah, interesting. But so in exactly. a game point of view, a lot of people go, oh, it should be more realistic, and they do all these different systems trying more realistic things. Um, no. Call of Cthulhu, in fact, comes out, of course, of the, uh, the Peterson conventions, which were attempts to try and make a more realistic fantasy fighting game um, than Dungeons & Dragons was. And then that developed out into Cthulhu, uh, into um, RuneQuest, and then on later, mm. Cthulhu and various others. So really, it, does that mean that it's almost more uncomfortable, the fact that it's just trying to be a level of realism for a lot of things, in that you've got skills, it's not just like in D&D. There were no skills or proficiencies in D&D back then, unless you were a thief. Mm. And even then, it wasn't like you had something like library use. You know, Do, do you think that this maybe isn't abstract enough. It's got an awful lot of sort of combat skills uh, differentiated in this, hasn't it? Is that necessary? Is that really anything to do with Lovecraft? Well, I, I think the combat skills have shrunk gradually over the editions. They have, yes. Uh, is fisting still in, or have they changed the name? It's just, uh, it's not fisting, Brawl, sadly. I think. Brawling, yeah. It's brawl now, yeah. But yeah. I, I think early Cthulhu, it's pretty much, okay, we've got the system, BRP, uh, let, let us tack some stuff onto it for sanity and so on, but otherwise, and, and obviously modern, yeah, the modern setting. But I, I, I think the general feeling was, right, let's make this a modern setting. And it, it's interesting because there is another game that was published about the same time, which I, you lot will probably have heard of, but very few people have actually played that I've ever met, which was Gangbusters. Now, I yeah. think of Gangbusters mm. as being a you know, earlier generation of game because you know it's, it's got Probably character so classes and all that stuff. It came out the year after Call of Cthulhu in its first yeah. edition. I think it didn't make it to the UK for a lot longer, but yeah. uh, I mean, it had two editions, didn't it? The first and the third, yeah. famously. Uh, <laughs> it's just yeah. one of those, yeah, I think one I'll of those things that collectors hate. Yeah, I, I think I've got. I think I've got a copy of the third edition somewhere. But, yeah, same uh, here. I got it very cheaply when the shop was clearing its stock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ditto. I think so. You know, and it's it is one of these things. I mean, and again, I don't think I ever played that, but I think I've. It's as we were talking possibly before we started recording. Um, it was one of the ones where I have lifted ideas from. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So uh, well, Call of Cthulhu. Specifically, the setup that you got early on. We've now got, um, you know, let's play Gaslight, the Victorian settings. We've got um, the Wild West. We've, we've got the future. We've got well, all sorts of games set in the future. Different things you can add on to Call of Cthulhu. Set it all over the place. Elizabethan and times, yes, indeed. Delta yeah. Green. Delta Green, another take on it. Uh, although now a separate game, but I think it, it was originally a supplement. Yes, it was. Yeah, My, yeah, right. it was. Yeah, played it. So. You've got this game, you can play all sorts of different things with it. Sandy Peterson originally wanted it to be set in the, uh, basically cutting edge in the 80s. Um, but it's, it came out as kind of an, an historical game set in the 20s, which was a weird choice of period. So at that point, you're looking at all the, um, the pulp movies coming out around then, you know, Indiana Jones and all this sort of stuff. That all that was in the air, there was mm-hmm. stuff on the TV. And it was a bit of a blip. Really, you know, bring them back alive didn't exactly set the world on fire or anything like that. Eh. Uh, but 
it was all very much kind of the 30s. War is looming. That was uh, it, that last kind of um, hint of parts of the world being unexplored. The 20s, I felt, had a very different feeling that didn't necessarily seem to lend themselves to gaming. You didn't really see any other games set in the 20s particularly. If you did, they were going to be about prohibition and running booze. Mm. So you've got this odd setting and yet people are still getting into this for something presumably the horror did you grate i mean did you cuz rail against the setting and just no. play it in that because that was what it was or did that actually catch your imagination i liked it i liked the fact that it was 1920s mm so you could be a flapper it, it was yeah, it was something no, a bit uh, something but... a bit different yeah mm. what about compared to the modern thing in terms of being able to maintain the horror. Do you think it's more difficult with all the technology we've got now and the communication and the expectation of being in contact with people and looking things up? But 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 again, part of I mean, if, when I've played or when, or rather when I've GM'd that sort of game, um, the first thing that happens, of course, is it all you, goes on the fritz. Yeah, you're cut off, and suddenly that actually and and that actually, you know. Especially if you sort of emphasise the fact that well, you, there's still no signal. Some, you know, you've, you've yeah, never... but every game you can't keep doing it, can you? Well, no, well, again, unless, unless you're playing again, Chill, of course, which has a, a special power that they can cast called Haywire. Yeah, where, where they can do it every game. Well, I, I think <laughs> so, it's interesting. You, you can't transplant a 1920s adventure to, to the to the 1980s or the modern day and just expect it to work straight. There are things you have to change. Yeah, it's incredibly easy to shortcut them, isn't but, it? But I think what what that means is you you have to write you have to write it for the period. But I, I don't think it's. I, mean, I I I like writing modern stuff. I, I probably like running modern more than many people I know like playing it. Um, mm. But you know, I'm, I'm I'm quite happy to do that. I think there are still plenty of ways ways of doing horrifying things. And so yeah, okay, so maybe you can phone all your friends, but how are they going to help you? Mm. Yeah. You phone your friend to listen for them to listen to you being eaten alive, <laughs> or to discover that the thing talking to them isn't actually you. It turns out, because <laughs> uh, presumably your friend is going to be your next player character. So I mean, you've got to get them involved somehow. Haven't you? <laughs> yeah. All right then. Um, when this came out, obviously we've said people weren't really into Cthulhu, and yet weirdly, uh, in Sorcerer's Apprentice, uh, Glenn and I think it was. Uh, was it Glenn and Philip Rahman did a did the Lovecraftian variant? That was the big article. Yeah. So it was it was kind of in the air that people were doing Lovecraft stuff and and horror stuff. But since then, about ten years ago, I had the idea with um, Paul McLean and uh, com of going through and having sort of chatty reviews of all of the different Cthulhu games on the market, and I realised that frankly there were just too many, it was going to get ridiculous it's not slowed down since then, if anything, <laughs> yeah, not least because they're all still in print because of PDF there's somebody on YSDC so you... who's trying to keep a list maintained, and it's a pretty major job for him. <laughs> Good luck, yeah it's, I mean, it, it's not, you're looking at what even counts as one these days, because people are doing genre mashing and so on so, with all these different choices, all these different mechanics and styles, uh, like you were saying with Cthulhu Dark, if you get in a fight, you've lost. That's a, bit, a deliberate approach to, to promote a certain sort of play. Why are we actually playing this one, where the game is based on a system... The game's 40 years old, nearly. The system Bloody is over hell, is 40 it? years old. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's, 
it, it was virtually unchanged for most of that time. The only really um, substantial, obvious changes to it have been in the seventh edition, more recently, where it's become quite an expensive two-volume set, and they've changed a few of the rules and the presentations. But even that isn't so far divorced that you can't do a quick conversion. Mm-hmm. So why are we sticking with this dinosaur? And are we actually enjoying it, or are we just playing it because, you know, it's the market leader in its sector? <laughs> hmm. I, okay, so I would say that part of the reason is the rules are good enough. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a compromise. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to learn anything new. You, you're an old fogey. You're set in your ways. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Uh, you're not interested in anything better. Uh, no, I think it, it, it goes Sorry, back... I'm turning into John Humphrey's character. Wow. No, it, it, it go, no, I think it kind of... So... I think an awful lot of the newer rule sets are some of our issues that we've maybe sort of talked about in other in in in, in other um, podcasts. Of um, we're not massive fans of indie games. We're not massive fans of um, the, of the players' kind of ste- steering plots and so on and so forth. And this is very much a the GM, or the, the keeper, obviously in this case, the keeper is the keeper. Um, they are the ones who are steering what's going on. They're the ones who are basically, uh, inflicting the, uh, multiple insanities on you, um, that, that, that are turning around and saying, well, actually, I'm afraid your shotgun just missed, uh, from two foot away and so on and so forth. Um, and, some of it is, I mean, if you, well, I mean, the classic is, um, um, if listening to the, um, uh, YSDC stuff, you've got, um, Paul turning, turning around and saying, I rolled 99, you know, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and that's part of the fun. That's part of the thing. The fact that it's slightly clunky, the, the fact that it's slightly not quite, um, Slick cutting edge. Your, your skill of, of professional mm. aquarium maintenance never seems mm. to come into an adventure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's part of the fun of it. Well, re- know, re- uh, remember some of the NPC skills in published adventures where they got things like agree with wife, 85%. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think some <laughs> of the. Is that a white dwarf adventure, man? <laughs> no, I think it's Orient Express. It is, or it's, oh, it's um, it? Colonel it's Herring's, um, uh, Colonel Herring. Uh, <laughs> um, I, um, I would say some of the beauty of the system, and it is clunky, it's not, it's not realistic, though it is, it's at least got a nod to realism, whereas D&D doesn't, in a way, you know, it, it, it has you, you, some... You don't become shotgun proof when you're super experienced. Exactly, no. yeah, it, it's, yeah. um, so it's got, you're vulnerable humans, which is very much that. But it, it's also an easy to grasp system in the sense that, right, 3d6 plus 3 against the difficulty of 12, is that, is that really good or is that, whereas 70%, you know, even though that doesn't make it, you know, if you're the best ninja in the world, you've got a still skill of 80, you're going to fail, you know, one fifth of the time and you could argue that. But the, I, my point is, it's easy, the numbers are easy to grasp. It, it makes, it makes sense from that point of view. You know what a no roll yeah. is. You know, you know, a sanity of ten is not very good. Um, I, you know that, yeah, and you know that you you've got a five percent chance of knowing something about one of these creatures. Well, that's not very much, really. 
and the character can probably have a go at any number of reasonable things, like yeah. driving a car, say, that you're actually not skilled in. Because, yeah, because well, you've got a base. You know, it's the 20s, you've probably seen people do it, so you've got a base of, what, 20, 25, something like that. And, you know, you can probably have a go. You're not going to be very good, you're not going to be doing any stunt driving, but you would think, yeah, if I was in that situation, and I didn't know how to drive a car, I would probably have been getting You'd a have a go. And I'd seen them, and I'd have a rough idea yeah, how these you can try work. all these things. Maybe I'd do it. So, so it's not limiting, you can try all that. And similarly, I also... We, I don't know why, but as humans, we seem to have an intuitive grasp of what a 5% chance means more than 1 in 20, for instance. I, uh, yeah, or, or, you know, a... a uh, sorry, Roger. I can see Roger. Looking <laughs> 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 Yeah, I can, I can sort of see that. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the, the percentage thing works. Mm. It's clunky, it but it, it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, and, it's, it's, it's and, okay, sort of implicit. Yeah. Yeah, the skill limit, the skill list is a bit limited, but you can make it do most things that you want. Is it limited? I actually think it's got too many skills. Well, no, you choose. I don't think they're broad enough. You know, to me, you went. Yeah, I think your characters always end up with a few skills that seem like they're going to be great. Is this is this accounting? Is this accounting? Come on. You know, okay, this you know you need streetwise. Dodge you, know, it's true. you need library use. Dodge Seven. library Somebody use. Somebody needs a cult, maybe. Uh, and there is Somebody nothing like GURPS. There's no, there's no default to another skill or anything. Well, yeah. effect- um, effectively, your starting levels are your defaults. Yeah, yeah, they're all inbuilt. Um, yeah, but it's not a case yeah. of if you've got a skill in X, that gives you a better chance of a skill in, of, of doing Y, sure. even though you've no training in it than somebody else who's got no training in either. But you, again, that comes down to your GM. There's mm. an awful lot, I think, it, it does come down to GMs, whether they follow everything rigidly as it is written, or whether they go, you know, it's a game, I want my players to have fun, and what, therefore... So say... You're a really good driver, so I'll give you a. I know you, you've never ridden a motorbike, but you've seen it. I'll give you an extra plus ten on that, or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just you know, it, it does. It, it comes. I think it, a lot of that kind of thing comes down to who's running the game and also who's playing it. I mean, don't take the piss, basically. You know, yeah. if you can, if you can come up with a valid reason as to why your skill in mechanical repair. Allows you to work out how to work a boat or something, you know, to to get a boat engine going when it's broken, or you know, it's just things like that. Even though you know nothing about boating or whatever, just mm. yeah, things like that. Or um, even if they're kind of tangentially connected, you know, maybe you're really good at physics and chemistry and biology and stuff, but you want to use a camera and take photographs and develop, you know, develop plates. Well, you've got chemistry. You should have a good understanding of, of mm. you know, of how those things work. You might get it wrong. I know how so, I know the you know. silver nitrate uh, precipitation <laughs> malarkey. Yeah, exactly. I guess that but, the photographization progress process. Mm. Yeah. I, I, that ties into what I was going to say that as a as a GM because it's probably the system I've GM'd more than any other. It's mm. done. That, uh, the reason for that is, to me at least, it's just a comfortable system to jam. There's not many situations where you can't wing a rule very quickly, I would say. Yeah, yeah I mean, mm. Mark was sort of saying, I mean, on the whole, it does the job. Mm. It hasn't got a lot of gaps mm. in it. Yeah. And the gaps it has can be pretty much filled by saying, oh, sorry, they've got a 30% chance of that. Yeah, and exactly, most, most yeah. things are either a stat roll or a skill roll. 
Yeah, and, right. and there are stat roles, and similarly as teams, you can say, well, you know what, you've got chemistry at 80%, I'll give you a 20% bonus in there. And you've got an intuitive grasp of what that means when you say yeah. it. So. Well, I will, I will give you my, um, unpopular opinion. Um, I think they should have done the same thing that actually first edition of Chill did after this. This is an 84. I think all the weapons should do the same damage. You're right, that's what? an unpopular opinion. <laughs> it is a very unpopular opinion because this is not or should not be a game about shooting things. Right? If you've got a gun or a sword or a different sort of gun, it it just leads to an escalation and an arms race. But more so than even D&D, this isn't a game that's actually about the monsters compared to the next monster in the line. Well, I'll, I'll make, I, you're I, talking I'm about something bigger and weirder. Response to that. Okay, in I'll Lovecraft's you. own stories, that is how it works. You know, Lovecraft, uh, Cthulhu is defeated by ramming a boat into him at high speed. But he's not defeated. He's, he's No, but that, you know, that, that's how you would deal with it as a GM. <laughs> and know, I'm, like, I'm well, just right, going to so. say... That, uh, I've got to counter and your counterpoint by saying that I would not class a boat, a steamship, <laughs> as something that ought to be on the weapons table. We, <laughs> we, we tried it with a destroyer and failed. Uh, so, some I, of the I will complaints. say a couple of things, though. Um, yes. What, one is, if you're shooting a Shoggoth, then all weapons do do the same damage. Mm-hmm. And quite a, quite a lot of monsters are sufficiently bullet resistant that it doesn't really make a whole lot of difference what what you yeah. shoot them with. Uh, but the other okay. the other is uh, a reason a reason to keep the weapon differentiation. I think is because you have a story effect to that. And in a lot of places in the 1920s, particularly in the US, it, it's quite it's quite normal for people to carry a pistol if if they're going somewhere a bit rough, and obviously if they're white and male. Uh, but that, that, how, that, how far that comes in. Yeah, how far that comes into the game is is, is another question. But you know, it, it's not an unusual thing to do. And if you if you do that, you know, the, the small town police chief may may think you're looking for trouble. But essentially, it's within the tolerances of normal. If you right, turn yeah. up with rifles and dynamite, particularly military rifles rather than hunting rifles, then all of a sudden, so you're, that doesn't you're talking about. Kind of a societal, yeah. It's 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 an influence on things rather you, than a rules. Influence. You're going to be treated yeah. differently because you are obviously armed for trouble, and and I think that is a distinction. That doesn't that is happen in D and D. I think that People I think that's an interesting in full plate. And I'd I'd, I'd, much. I'd much rather say to the players, okay, you have a meaningful choice. You you know, you you can you can load up or you can try to go under the radar. What's radar? Mm-hmm. Um, and if all weapons, <laughs> without without mentioning that neither is going to actually help you. Well, it it may yeah they may help in some situations. I mean, a, a, a Lewis gun against a mob of cultists could be quite handy. Um, true. Well, that, true. there are a lot. But of if situa- the weapons in- all do the same damage, you don't have that. You might as well just carry the pistol. I'd, yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather shoot a Bayaki with a shotgun than try and stab it with a dagger. <laughs> yeah. Personally. I th- I, well, this uh, leads into another slight, but the the, the oh, there are God. purists and. You know, and people and, and pulpits, I guess, which is actually codified into Trail of Cthulhu, I think. But mm-hmm. to me, yeah, well, it's two two methods of play, hasn't it? The original Lovecraft stories are pretty pulpy, and the Dunwich Horror mm. is, yeah. A, yeah. is a pulp adventure. Ah, now that, yeah, right. That you're you're sort of picking the classic example. Well, you know, in Charles Dexter, well, firearms feature pretty heavily. You know, quite often mm. that the stories end up with someone going and shooting their mate through the head. You know, the <laughs> thing on the doorstep is exactly the same thing. Oh, um, those things you just have to do sometimes. In where, the Call of Cthulhu, the Louisiana police just tool up and go in and disperse the cult. You know, it, it's um, it's not 
purist. I, I, sure, a lot of the protagonists are weak-willed professors who faint at the first sight of a ghoul <laughs> instead of <laughs> I mean, stabbing them even, through the eye with a pencil like any red-blooded Houdini male. Houdini faints on multiple occasions <laughs> but, when penned by Mr. Lovecraft. <laughs> but they are... They, they, there are... There is precedent in the original stories for this kind of pulpy yeah, play. And, and particularly um, the sort of Cthulhu mythos, Yogg-Sothothery stuff that um, Robert E. Howard <laughs> Oh, that's my favourite. Where, where favorite. If, you, if, you're not, if you're not going for Cthulhu just with your fists, <laughs> you're not a man. Yeah, oh, well. oh, I might faint. No, I'm going to rip it apart with my head. <laughs> it was too much, too much of Conan there. Mm. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um, I've lost the point there, but um, uh, I, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I think you. Can. No, so, John, John, your opinion is unpopular, and we don't agree with you. But we appreciate you expressing it. But we appreciate but the fact with that opinions. You can have... discuss them. Well, yeah. the other so thing is that so well? a lot of Cthulhu, I, I, in fact, most of it, you would argue, is actually human versus human combat. And by the time the yeah. monsters turn up, it's too late. And I feel <laughs> you do need a system for human versus human combat. Rather than, okay. you know, I suppose you could have just like, all right, you fight a monster, you lose, but here are the rules for if you're fighting cultists. That's that's another way of doing it, I guess. All right. But why would you automatically lose against cool? Uh, well, that I, I would have problems with that. Absolutely, yeah. You know. Well, the, the argument would be it's what a Lovecraftian protagonist would do. Yeah, yeah, because some games are very specifically. Uh, well, clearly an, an, a response to having played Call of Cthulhu and said, yes, but it's not actually a Lovecraft game, is it? It doesn't no. feel like you're in one of those stories. And honestly, that's true. Just in the same way that you'll see a lot of movies that are not actually that much like the original stories. But if you really take the time to read some of the stories that have been adapted into movies, you can perhaps see why <laughs> not, not everything can be adapted and I'm not talking just about Lovecraft here uh, I think very little of Lovecraft can be adapted <laughs> successfully and, and God knows people have proven me right um, but on all sorts of stories they have to that Jurassic Park has got loads of characters who are represented by one character in the movie yeah. because otherwise you've got all these characters who just wouldn't have any screen time and they're yeah. a confusion and they don't really add anything in no. the film no. but they do in the book so that's kind of fine and in a game, it's the same thing. You've got to make changes to present a particular style. Mm. So I don't personally have a problem with no. it, with Call of Cthulhu not actually being really representative of Lovecraft. Because let's face it, they could have based it on his poetry. <laughs> oh, um, oh, really? Are we, we going to talk about the Dreamlands? Because... I oh, can if you want, yeah, because I've gonna sort of, um, I've largely covered those pieces. Oh, cats, love him. I mean, <laughs> obviously, absolutely racist. As I ex- part, yeah, exactly. The name of his you own cat. You can but... forgive him. You can forgive him so much just for the love of cats. There's plenty of things I can't forgive him for. No, except, except oh, yeah. go on, Nick. Him for, but... Go on, Nick. Well, I, 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 talking about, I, I'm quite happy to pick and choose the parts of Lovecraft that I like. You know, his early Poe-esque stuff and. Um, <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. Lord, um, oh, his name is Lord Dunsany stuff doesn't do Drax a lot for me. Kids. For me, I'm all about those no. twelve classic mythos stories. So the you know the Color Out of Space, the Dunwich Horror, Shadow Over Innsmouth. Uh, you know, um, I, no, you start. You've started now. You're going to have to finish. Well, the Call of Cthulhu. Um, there would be at the Mountains <laughs> of Madness. Uh, yeah, the Rats in the Walls probably. Um, the Witcher uh, in uh, Dreams in the Witch House. Um, uh, 
Help me out here, guys. Um, Resurrectionist? No. Uh, Herbert, Herbert West uh, Reanimator, maybe. I don't yeah. think that was on my list at all. Um, now, Herbert West Reanimator, you could absolutely play that out as a Cthulhu scenario if people didn't already know the story. <laughs> or hadn't um, actually seen the film. <laughs> it's like yeah. someone yeah. vaguely told you the plot of Frankenstein, you got it wrong. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you were a little bit drunk when you heard it. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. A bit too sober he to really record it. He gets his head chopped it, right off. And, um, uh, do you really want me to say it? I mean, come on. The thing on the no, doorstep. No, don't, um, don't okay. Dreamland, anyway. Dreamland. Dreamland, to me, absolutely mitigate the, the horror of the thing. Just the, the whole point to me of Lovecraft is you can you can fight against the tide, but you're going to get flooded. Whatever you do, it, it, it doesn't okay. matter. And, and to me, that is that we are just... So you see Lovecraft as a bit of a canute? <laughs> um I uh, well he he Kenny was doing it to demonstrate that no man is a, a, you know, a canoe a canoe or a child or a child building a sand, sand castles. My point is let's not overanalyze a, a one liner. Um <laughs> No, the, that's what we do to you, mate. The existential... Well, fuck you. Um, the, uh, no, we do, though. The existentialism... Existentialism... Um, the, the cosmic horror <laughs> of Cthulhu, uh, just to me, is, is the core of it. It's why the monsters aren't really important. I yeah. think the setting helped because 20s, in some ways... Uh, particularly recently, feels more civilized than our own age. I know that's not true, but it kind of feels that way. Well, it doesn't. Uh, uh, what a does lot, civilized a lot mean? Of the anyway? oppressed people were less visible. Exactly. Yeah. When you're thinking about, you know, the, uh, the jazz age, then instead of how it was like being in um, Dar es Salaam in the 1920s, it's also much more modern. It's much more modern than a lot of people really realize until you start looking into it. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. There's all sorts of things that are incredibly now about the twenties. But yes, it's, they feel like people that we understand in a way that you yeah. don't understand a, a medieval surf, I guess. Um, but and so are you saying the Dreamland then gives you more of the sense of you having to work out what a medieval surf is yes. if he flies past on a unicorn? I have something of a dislike of surrealism. Now there there are certain surrealisms that I like, like your recent Tunnels and Trolls adventure, John. But I, I don't like. Uh, I, I find that the rule where the surrealism rules... and scat music, I do believe. <laughs> Let's not get into scat. <laughs> um, but I, oh, one, I just, I just, it's not to my taste. I don't know why, but I don't find that kind of lofty, high fantasy. The cats of Ulthar. Uh, I'd like dark British mythology, like you know, the idea of Albion and Robin Hood, and when you, you know, Robin of Sherwood and that. But I don't like kind of. Uh, Midsummer Night's Dream style fantasy. Is it? Is it a sense it doesn't have any any roots? That there's that it's just so far disconnected from what's possible that that means anything yes. could happen, and therefore, what's the point of anything happening? Partially that, and partially it's disconnected from the existential horror, which to me is the core of what I consider. What is what I like about Lovecraft, which is the bits right. I pick and choose. You know, what is the fear of? Understand that you are a cosmic spec. You're an ant to Neal Athatep, yeah. and he could not give less of a shit about. It. He might play with you a bit, but he's, he's, it doesn't matter to him what what happens. But if, but the, surely if then you go and gonna... come up in in a magic sword in a dream and cut his balls off, I just I don't. It, to me, that sort of surely you're the, not going to deny that that gugs are pretty terrifying. 
Not in the dreamlands, though. They're just a weird... If you meet them in a, uh, you know, in a speakeasy in New Orleans in 1925, that is terrifying. To meet them okay. in the uh, the strange, misty uh, land of Gnurfum, because, you know, you're you're doing a quest for the Moomins of Jezazov, then to me, that is not... It just doesn't... does not do anything for me. And yet, you know the stuff backwards. I'm amazed you don't like it. But you can't argue... Kenny, surely you can't argue that the first edition Dreamlands, the box set from KSCM, you can't say it didn't have a fantastic cover with that bloke riding a zebra. <laughs> that, uh, the artwork's amazing. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I think you hit upon the uh, the nub of my point um, when when you said it's the juxtaposition. It's the counterpoint. <laughs> it's the counterpoint between the civilization <laughs> of the twenties and the horror of. The veneer beneath, and that is that to me is what I love, and that's why the twenties my favourite era. Though the eighties is starting to feel quite dated now, so I might get into doing the <laughs> doing eighties adventures too. Yeah, I, I, um, I've certainly run eighties uh, games as historical things in the last few years. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, Trail of the Loathsome Slime. Well, that makes me feel. Marcus, me too. Marcus Rollins. Uh, Trail of the Loathsome Slime, apart from being the greatest adventure title it ever. It is amazing. Um, that's set in the early 80s, I think, now, because it, it was originally a White Dwarf. It uh, was the scenario, first was ever it? modern. It was yeah, it was modern day for the time, or it was a couple of years. Time. There you go, that's actually worth quite a bit of money now. I've played that. I'm to run it for you guys at some point. It's actually really quite hard. You can't just run that as if it was modern. Yeah. Because it's it's basically 40 years it's old. floppy really, disks and, every, and all, all yeah. manner of things. It's it's one of those things that it's totally short-circuited. It was the first ever Cthulhu Now scenario, I think. It was um, it was originally published, I believe, as a magazine scenario. Yes, a few years earlier. So it's actually early to mid eighties, rather than just eighty-five. But yes. All right. So that's an objection. You've got it's Lovecraft, but it's not completely Lovecraft. But what it does is great, except for the Dreamlands. No, exactly. about where we are. I quite like the Dreamlands. Dreamlands are fine, but, but, but they're not Call of Cthulhu to me. I, I, yeah, I, I, they're I, not. I, I, I wouldn't they're have very... a campaign spread spanning both. No, well... Hmm. So you wouldn't even say it would be uh, an interesting visit for a party, a bit of well, a, it, a change of pace? It, it's a cross-genre thing. thing. Okay. It would be very difficult to make I something... I cross-genre. What's wrong yeah, with that, but... Then? What do you what do you do in the dreamlands that isn't? And then they woke up and it was all a dream. I mean, if if you can yeah. find a way of linking them if across, it, if it is fundamentally true that when they wake up and it's been a dream. It, yeah, if you, yeah. yeah, but consider the silver key. If you can find some way of linking things across, so that you know you go on a dreamlands quest and things are different for a bit, and then it comes back to, and you've now, you know, as a result, done something that's going to affect the ongoing adventure. Then yes, okay. Uh, but but I think. Just saying, okay, well, this this next thing is going to be the Dreamlands is, is, to me, too much of a wrenching change. The characters you build for the Dreamlands are not the characters you build for normal Call of Cthulhu. We we had some characters that went to the Dreamlands, while others didn't, and they learnt things that were then useful later on. Um in some of the games I've played. So not everybody went to Dreamlands. It was just a couple of the characters at various points in, in the story. Um, and that, that worked quite well. Nobody went on any major quests, but 
Um, there were side effects for those characters, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they fit that fit in quite well. Mm. In, in, Fair enough. In mm. the scenarios, so it wasn't as if we all went to sleep one night and suddenly woke up in a market square, surrounded by talking cats or anything. You know, it, it, oh, if only, if only, <laughs> says John. But you know, a, sort of characters started to have troubling dreams and and things like that and. That sort of... So you're kind of not going full-on flipper no. switch and you're in the dreamlands then? No. No. Okay. But sort of, you know, very deep sleep, can't be woken up kind of thing. Not actually physically there, but very definitely mentally there. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as they were concerned, that's where they were and they couldn't understand why nobody else was there. Thinking of um, the, the story of The Call of Cthulhu, uh, you've got that background thing about you know sensitive people all over the world are having strange dreams, and if you if you yes. were running that as an adventure, I th- I think it would be interesting to do that as a you know okay this is a strange dream you're having and as a result you learn some more about what you're investigating. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Oh, and it's, even if it only connected you to people who you you meet later on, and then suddenly think you you look at each other and think, hang on, we've met. Yeah, you clearly have never actually met. Yeah, it adds yeah. another layer of of mystery and weirdness to it all. Yes. Yeah. Oh, speaking yeah. of which, welcome back, Nick. Thank you. Now, as far as the campaigns and things go, um, the game was particularly well regarded for the quality of adventures. Mm. Some great white dwarf stuff. The official adventures were generally pretty good. Some of them don't hold up as well as others, but on the, whole, <clears throat> on the whole, I think you can look at, the, at particularly the sort of early years of, of Cthulhu as being um, remarkably consistent and pushing the level of quality compared to other games that were getting a similar level of support. And it got some big campaigns. I mean, um, we've referred to Masks. Masks of Nile Architect, that was Larry Dottilio, um late Larry Dottilio, unfortunately. Also Sad. a Tunnels and Trolls writer. And it was a classic. It was a huge undertaking. It's a world-spanning adventure with conspiracy and... It's got pulp action, let's be honest. I mean, it's really pulpy. Mm. Yep. Um, and it's not particularly Lovecraftian, but it is Oof. fantastic. And there's there's a reason it keeps coming back in print. Now, when you look at the size of those sorts of adventures, and then Horror on the Orient Express and things like that, these huge campaigns, what do you think about the tendency over the years to republish them and either put bits back in that were originally excised for space, or add more bits on? I mean, we've just had, I think, the latest version of Masks of Narthotep. Mm. Is that actually out yet? And it's much bigger. Much bigger. With whole new sections and, and sort of prequel bits... So, so actually, is, the, is, it, is it just going too far, do you think? Is it getting out of hand for what this game is? I've enjoyed playing it. I, I, um, I think, we have, I we think there are coffee table role-playing books now. The, yeah, yeah. I, and it's, it's kind of a luxury edition. I, um, a lot of it, I was surprised how much of it is the original Dottilio text, actually. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, there is, they've added bits in. I, I don't, my issue with masks particularly, I don't really like the side scenarios because they're not, it's not like a D&D adventure where you're going to come out with a good magic item. It's only going to be bad for your characters and it, it it's nothing to do with the main plot. And I, to me, right. if I was a player, I'd be quite resentful that I'd just gone through hell for no fucking <laughs> reason to, no to advance the yeah. campaign. They're better yeah. taken out as individual games. Um, 
I, well, I don't know. The campaign mode kind of killed my original Call of Cthulhu because I eventually ran Shadows of Yogg-Sothoth for friends. Yes. And right at the end, you meet Cthulhu. Uh, spoiler. And I, the problem there was... You're supposed to say spoiler first. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Spoiler. <laughs> we can edit. We can splice that in. But it, I don't think we, spoilers... We can, can, and yet we don't. <laughs> um, the, uh, the problem there is when you've met and defeated, because they had an elder sign and foolishly, I gave them like a, I think a 5% chance of Nodens turning up. Um, and of course they rolled zero one. one um, wow. And so they felt at that point, they defeated Cthulhu. And then there was just no interest in playing the game again. And that's, that's a yeah. failure of a young, you know, GM and keeper and not, not getting across the, the idea of the game to some extent. Um, but, uh, I, I that's why I'm slightly bitter about Shadows of Yogg-Sothoth. Um, you did seem to take a guinnet, as they say <laughs> it. I mean, I, I, do you think they're getting, are they daunting, these adventures now? Is the reputation yeah. of Call of Cthulhu for having these amazing mysteries and all this horror? Do you think that that is now just really quite a lot to take on as a GM? I mean, how long does it take to actually play, not not at our speed, but how long does it take for a normal group <laughs> to play something like Masks these days? I mean, you're looking at months and months and possibly years of adventure there. Good value for money, I suppose. I sp- maybe the, the the luxuriousness of, like, particularly the horror on the Orient Express that they, they came out. <sighs> that destroyed the company to produce, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, they do. Um, but to some extent... Does that create an expectation that you're, because you know, quite often in a role playing session, you know, it, it's not that you're not having fun, but you don't feel like it's highbrow, particularly. So when you're surrounded by all these accoutrements no. of, of great elegance and maybe that, I think that might be a problem that it might create too much of an expectation that this is how you should be playing it. And there is still the big yeah. reveal in Horror on the Orient Express, which is, to my mind, so much of a cheat that it very much disappointed me when I when I first found out about it. I, I, I'm glad I wasn't playing it when I, when I discovered how that particular twist happened. You try okay. writing a fucking novel about it, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Copies of which I understand have been have been found and are still available through Yorks of Yes, exactly. Yes, <laughs> one box left in the garage. So I, I don't, I don't run games. It's not something I do because I'm rubbish at role, We're working on it. At role systems. Um, but I have run Cthulhu a couple of times for different groups of people. Um, purely because I know the mechanics, how it works. Yeah. And um, I would say they are quite daunting to run. There's an awful lot of information in them, which... As a GM, you kind of have to keep on top of and make sure that they get that you have to know what the relevant information is that they're going to need. Because mm. if they don't find something, you then have to figure out how the hell to get it to them at some point, um, especially if it's a bit of key information. Because otherwise, you just suddenly find they're in a dead end and they've got nowhere oh, to go. Well, that, yeah. And, and well, that, 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 yeah, I've that's heard uh, of that, that happening such a lot. But that's an adventure writing fault, or if you write your own it adventure, is. it's a GMing fault. Yeah, it is. It shouldn't I, happen, should it? It shouldn't. But some of the some of the information is so specific. Yeah, I think that that's if a, you yeah. don't find it, you miss the link to the next bit. Or if you've not written it yourself, and it's or, a, a two yeah. book long adventure, and you don't remember yeah. that this connects to the final thing, 
then yeah, yeah I, I I agree that can be uh, a problem. You, you have, really have yeah. to have a grip on this is really what they need to discover in this bit. And sometimes, yeah. particularly in the older adventures, they're much better at it in the new. You know, one of the main things yeah. in masks are the clue diagrams and things like that in the new masks to just show you oh, that okay. this is what they really need. So they have worked on that because they're aware it's an issue. And I, I yeah. see I haven't found them all that useful in masks, but as so long as you, you're familiar with, but I agree you have to put in a lot of work to, to know this bit's important, that bit. All right. So yeah. if you're putting in a lot of work, what's, what's it like as a game and a setting? If you are writing your own adventures, I mean, do you have to know a ton of stuff about the twenties to to make it feel convincing? Do you find you've got to do loads of research? Do you worry that Lovecraft nerds are always going to say, "Ah, well, I think you'll find that they wouldn't have done that." You know. <laughs> and your answer to that is GM rules. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- my yeah. answer to that is is, is, is also uh, when Lovecraft wanted a new wanted a monster, he didn't say, "Oh, what what have I established previously that that, that I could use?" He just my invented a, manual. He just invented a new monster. The problem yeah. with that, that, I mean, that's great, but not all of us are blessed with the imagination. Yeah, but, but my point is, if, if what you want to have is something that's a bit like a deep one, only slightly different, then mm. a shallow one. That, 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 that is just that is just <laughs> incredibly deep one. Howard would have wanted, would have simply invented a deep one that's slightly different, and, and yeah, yeah, if he could do it, why can't you? Well, oh, but he would have invented right. something totally off the wall that's <laughs> down through the centuries that wow. would have worked amazing. Yeah, well, what, but... I, what I'm saying, I think, is is that there is no such thing as it should be exactly like this. I, I, I think the no, bestiary okay. in, in the original Call of Cthulhu did it a disservice by saying, you know, here is what there is. Yeah. And, of course, it, it wasn't purely Lovecraft stuff, was it? Because Call of Cthulhu also... In, in case the copyright situation weren't complicated and, enough and, already. Yeah. yeah. I will say um, one one of the strengths we haven't touched on. There's so much we haven't touched on tonight, isn't it? One of the strengths <laughs> of this um, this amazing book. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm an evangelist for it. That it has one of the greatest opening scenarios in role playing history. I would say in the, in the Corbett House, um, it, it just encapsulates what the game should be. It's so yes. so really, and it doesn't have. A shoggoth or a, a deep one or a, oh, spoiler. It just has a bed and a knife <laughs> and a knife. Um, uh, yeah, but that fucking bed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Come on. That bed is amazing. But it isn't it? Cause it, there's a, some light investigation at the beginning. There's a bit of probable player death at the end, but there's some clues in the investigation that help you solve the mystery. You're not auto, auto deadies at the end of it. It's just perfect. The Corbett house, which is not in seventh edition, um, which I've got here as well, but it's right at the bottom of my pile. So I won't lift it. Oh, can I show you my huge cot pile? Um, this isn't all of it, <laughs> but that's what I could fit on the desk. That, how much research were you expecting to have to do during this? <laughs> I just wanted to show off my cock. No, fair enough. Uh, well, I'm sorry that uh, any any listener at home uh, can't see Nick's cock. But would you like me to take a photo of my cock? And uh, I, I think we should add that to the show notes. I'm afraid that's all. That's all I brought with me tonight. Oh. So. Well, the, the, the end. I, I have the rule book I bought off John, but uh, not not right well. here. I will say it's the only system I actually own rule books for. Really. Yeah, I, think I don't. I don't. Fun. I don't buy role playing books. No, no, me neither. Really. Um, yeah, liar. Not anymore. Right. <laughs> liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> what have we covered then in terms of this game and <laughs> us? Because this is largely about how the game sort of fits Warts and Hall and why we keep playing it and should we keep playing it? Yes. Um, 
taking it yes. that everyone's quite happy, just through inertia, um, <laughs> this is the one we're going to stick with. Well, I mean, let's be honest, if somebody asked me, oh, right, I want to buy Call of Cthulhu now, should I? Yes. And which edition should I get if I do? Seventh. I'd say, I'd say yeah, and get, get the new one. Yeah. And the reason I'd say that is because it's the currently available one that's supported and it's got a good team of people doing it. Um, a little bit like um, Traveller. Whereas if they say, which one would you recommend that you like to play? My answer is not Seventh, just like it's not current Traveller. But I already have it, so I don't yeah. need to buy it again. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a different thing. My opinion on Seventh doesn't matter, because I'm not going to buy the thing, because I've already got Call of Cthulhu. So I'm you know quite happy to say to people, it's a great game, you should get it. You know, if you can afford the new rather well, you can edition. you can get there is now the starter set, which yeah. is uh, to, to try and rival the old red box thing, which is I yeah. That, they've also comment on YSDC saying basically this: if if we want to run a relatively rules like game, you know, if you don't care about the chase mm-hmm. rules, for example, the starter set pretty much has what you need. Combine yeah. it, combine it with the yeah. keeper's screen, and you actually have all the all the rules you need. So. Right. So what's what's been missing in this uh, wide-ranging chat? Well, the, the, there is the question. Why do we like it? Yeah. Why do you like it? It's not a power fantasy. It's a good start. Yeah, mm. that's a big one. It's not. It's not just a numbers game. You're fighting you're not, gods, yeah. Roger. I mean, surely it's a bit of a uh, power fantasy. Not it's for not, the players. You're it's only for the GM. Yes, <laughs> it's, not, it's not Monty Hall. It's not Monty. I, no. I had played with some power gamers and had an unpleasant experience, and Cthulhu hmm. solves that problem. Uh, and a, a so, lot of the time, you come out of the thing and you, you are glad because you are no worse off than when you went in. It is weird that it's a game when I played at conventions. I've quite often been the only survivor, <laughs> and I always think I've done something wrong. <laughs> now, if I was playing almost any other role-playing game, I'd be coming out thinking, yes, fantastic, wow, that was amazing. Whereas I just think, Jesus, could I have gone back vague, in to save them or something? Vague sense of disappointment that you <laughs> yeah. I've let everybody down. <laughs> yeah. Sounds about right. I, I, once, I once played a, a convention Cthulhu game, and um, it was a Delta Green version, and... Um, they put me and that's in... Cthulhu where you're playing a sort of secretive government yeah, or, agent kind of thing, yeah. isn't it? And, and I was playing the sergeant, marine sergeant character. Mm-hmm. And I got everybody in and everybody out. Didn't lose a man. And we, we finished in double <laughs> quick time because <laughs> if anything, I, I knew what the purpose was. I knew where we had to go and I wouldn't let anybody go off and wander and and try and find sort of the thing. <laughs> it was the quickest run game, the quickest the game had ever been played. But they gave me a character that was in charge and made sure everybody uh, yes, did, the... did just what we had to do. And as soon as anything weird started happening, happening, we left. <laughs> I, I got everyone out because it was unsafe. And um, and it, project management. Yeah, <laughs> and it was a really good, really good game. Everyone enjoyed it. We didn't see a bloody monster anywhere. We knew they were around because we could hear things, but, you know. And I think that's the thing. You can either have a really terrifying sort of ghostly kind of thing or a horrifying, you know, death in the cellar and, and stuff like that and or strange creatures chasing you through the hillsides and stuff. Um, in the wilderness, or you can have something really sort of 
fairly straightforward, like you would have in a D and D game, go and recover the jewel of whatever from from the wizard type thing, or go and recover this spell book or whatever. And you can do the mm. same kind of thing in Cthulhu. And you know, and it is just I don't know. I just it just works. I mm. like it. Mm. And you can have a whole host of different settings. And I'm sure you could do a very nice fantasy setting for it if you wanted. Well, Cthulhu Dark well, the kind of is, one, is really it? good. Yeah. Um, because it works for the, it works for the kind of horror that I like. It, it's yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure. Uh, the only experience I have with the like Roman Cthulhu is the the YSDC game. Invectors, though, yeah. yeah. And I, I, it wasn't so much to my taste. But Dark Ages I've played though. a few times. Uh, every, every edition of Cthulhu I think has had some some amount of grimoire. And you know, here here are spells. All right, those are the bad guys are going to use them, but it it certainly says that here is how PCs can learn them as well. Mm. Have, have you oh, have yeah. you ever played yeah. games where where spells were in the hands of PC significant, significantly, because oh. I never have. Well, I wouldn't say significantly, except for the uh, PCs, yes. but in in the first group of games that I, I played, and it was unfortunately a session I wasn't at, um, there's a, a couple of spells called Summon and Bind yeah. Dole. Uh, <laughs> they got hold of Summon, they didn't know what a dole was, and they didn't realise that bind was a vital addition. Amazing. And thus let loose basically a sandworm in the middle of town. Ta- and obviously, you know, everybody dies, and I turn up the next week going, um... Oh no. <laughs> and now, I think, I think this is really unfortunate, I've been told that summon and bind has now been... It, that's yeah, the spell. It's not, yeah, it's <laughs> I think that's spine, total mis- that is a total that's mistake. A One of the most memorable role-playing moments of people going... Mm-hmm. We can't control this. Can't- Paul, oh, Paul of shit. Cthulhu summoning a buyer key to show that it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's a good role play moment. Um, one yeah, of, of course, you know, I, warning shot. I'm going to add a personal coder to why I like Call of Cthulhu because it's it's why I'm literally here in this podcast is because I drifted away from gaming for many years um, at university and in my early years of my career. And I bought Arkham Horror because I had fond memories of Call of Cthulhu. And I was Googling some minor rule thing about, I don't even know if it was Google back then, but it probably was Webfair, yeah. maybe. <laughs> I was asking Jeeves about some, um, but, uh, Jeeves, Michael. and it's, um, and, uh, came up and, and there was a, a list of, and then I went in the chat room. And it had uh, one of the choice songs was It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Fishmen. And then <laughs> I fell in love. And I joined, and one way or another, through YSTC, I met all of you. Hmm. So. so, if Blaine must be a fortune, <laughs> <laughs> it's totally at Paul's feet. Yeah, in fact, that's why John and I are together. Wow. Yeah, Aww. can you be- can you believe it? Um, that basically it was YSDC Games Day. Yeah. Oh, ridiculous! <laughs> wow. Despite the fact we had met before, but only one of us remembers it. Don't I, dear? Jeez. <laughs> so I'm glad some other couples have their dispute. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I remember it as well. Pretty sure. That's the sort of thing you want to hear, isn't it? How, how oh, it's so memorable. I'm, I'm almost certain. Sure. <laughs> Yeah. That's why you just oh, turn around well. and say, "Well, I had been I had been on the gin from about five o'clock that morning." <laughs> <laughs> so I think we've largely wrapped up. I mean, yeah, as you say, there are other things we can cover, but um, at the very least, it's a break point. Whether you think there's stuff worth coming back to, I think this is a good point to um, to close up on this one. Mm-hmm. So we're we're certainly going to keep 
running uh, and playing Cthulhu. Nick, I believe you're going to continue at some point with masks when it's um well i've got no exam to look uh, for it now so uh yes i will probably run masks. i had had a thought of running pop cthulhu but i think roger is going to do that instead for us uh i might run some well depends on whether you have strong feelings about it but uh i I would only run it because i wanted to play it basically i I do i do quite like the idea of having a more uh indiana jones style Mm. game which i think is what pop cthulhu is aiming for uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy to play it, Roger, rather than run it. So, so, so as a, as as a very very quick aside, because obviously we're sort of kind of in wrap up, but I actually enjoyed the style of play that we did for that first prequel to Masks, mm-hmm. which was yeah. quite pulpy. Yeah, I I think Cthulhu works best as a pulp game. Anyway, I'm not. You could argue that pulp Cthulhu is a bit unnecessary, but. But I haven't played it. Or even I, I, I'm not, it, I'm not entirely convinced by these weird pop talents, but I'll have a look at them and see how, see how, how they work out. Yeah. Okay. Right. If that's, if that's it, then it must be time for another cup of tea. So, um, <laughs> thank you all. I believe we're back on Tuesday, uh, playing whatever it is we're playing. Uh, yeah, we should, should be, be able to fi- finish it off. Who knows? To who, of course. <laughs> 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 now, we always take that as a challenge, Roger, <laughs> not, in, not in the right direction. <laughs> Let's take a very close look at this toaster. <laughs> Let's make some more toast in it, just to be certain. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, and I'll uh, talk to you soon. See you, See you all Tuesday. Bye. See you guys. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye.